You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You're listening to the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast, a place for inspiration, empowerment, and personal development. Showcasing badass women from all over the world, giving tips on personal development, mindset, and healing. I'm your host, Olivia, transformational success coach for spiritual female entrepreneurs. Now let's dive into this episode. Thank you so much for tuning back in to the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered podcast. My guest today is a certified business wealth strategist, gender slash racial wealth gap advocate, and founder of Wealth Fluency. She helps successful driven businesswomen who are struggling with the overwhelm of gaining control of their finances to attain financial independence. Having 10 years experience with major banks in Europe to implement systems that make them a lot of money, she uniquely placed to help women understand their finances and develop systems that help them build wealth, achieve financial security, and the freedom that they are looking for. Thank you so much, Anui Ba. Thanks, Olivia. Thanks for having me here. Um, totally appreciate being on here. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about your background. You know, you started out 10 years ago, well, 10 years of working at banks, right? So what did you learn from that that really made you realize, like, I can do this for other people not working at the bank? Yeah, so I've been in financial services for almost 20 years now. So 10 of that was as a consultant. And I think where it kind of hit home is working with private banks. So these are um, the institutions that work with the high net worth or ultra high net worth um, individuals. And a lot of these individuals have businesses. So we have certain systems and processes in place that we need to put for them. And also how much money we're dealing with and the regulations allowing that. And what I noticed is that the way they were dealing with their money, the way they were dealing with their finances is very different from the average Joe or the average Jane. But none of it had to do with actually how much money they were dealing with. It, it was literally just systems and processes that they had in place. So that is where Wealth Fluency came in, where I was like, guys, we can do this. We can start this a lot, lot earlier in our wealth building journey, in our entrepreneurial journey. We do not have to wait until we can speak to an independent financial advisor when we have three million to invest. We can do it now with our three dollars, three pounds, three pesos, or whatever the currency it is. And that is literally where Wealth Fluency came from, implementing those strategies earlier on in your journey, implementing those habits early on in the journey. What are some of the habits that, you know, 
normal people don't do versus the habits that, you know, the wealthy do? Oh, well, first of all, definitely is the business side of it. Um, So they do not rely on one source of income. And I know there's a lot of talk around passive income. It doesn't necessarily all have to start off as passive, but they do not have one source of income. And investments feature a lot in their portfolio and also the way they deal with their family structure. So like we had um, a family house and this is usually where one financial advisors just deal with a family. That is their portfolio, they just deal with a family. So husband, wife, and then their three kids. And just how that is set up as well is very different in regards to the way they put their trust funds in place and how they also put their succession planning in place as well. So what I noticed is that, first of all, the way their business was structured was very, very tax efficient. Also, they had regular checkups on their money. So they didn't just give it to the financial advisor and walk away and expect to remain a millionaire. They were checking on their stuff. Mm -hmm. And then also the way they structured their succession as well. Made, made, made quite a difference in regards to then how they leverage tax efficiencies. Um, we normally look at taxes like, oh, I have to pay tax. Instead, they were looking at it, okay, um, I'm being incentivized. If I buy a house, then I'm gonna get this tax break. If I get an apprentice, then I'm gonna get this tax break. And they're looking at, okay, where is the government incentivizing us to go because obviously where the government wants businesses to go that's where they put in tax incentives Mm -hmm. so yeah so just looking at all of that you don't need big 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 money again it's not massive strategy because i think that's what frightens people Ooh, if i need you know a tax strategist i need to be as big as amazon no you don't actually do there's a lot of incentives there that you can make use of now but because you're not aware of it, you're not making use of it. There are funds out there that you can apply for, but you're not aware of it. So it's awareness for a lot of things because they are there available to you. And where would you suggest like someone find these resources? Where should someone start when they're like, like let's say they're starting a business fresh out or like, okay, let's just say a person that's not an entrepreneur, um, just a person that is working, they have a corporate job and let's say they have investment properties. Um, and so that the investment properties are an additional source of income for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they work in, let's say, corporate America. Um, where would you suggest they start to look for their tax breaks and stuff like that? Okay. So the very first place would be your network. Um, If you're in a network, usually your network will comprise of other property investors. So we tend to talk to each other. Things ripple down the grapevine and you hear about something that could go, oh, let me go research that a little bit more. Or, oh, you used that person. What was that like? We just tend to talk sometimes. So first of all, leverage your network. Okay. Uh, More times than none, people love sharing. You find very few people that like to hold on to this stuff and put it in your pocket as if it's theirs. But Normal people, we just love sharing. That's who we are um, instinctively. And then you want to look also at your chamber of commerce. What are they saying? They probably might have, you know, and a lot of this is more signposting you to look in this direction. It will not totally tell you, oh yes, do X, Y, and Z and you're sorted. It's probably going to signpost you so you can kind of almost 
qualify yourself. Oh, does this qualify for me or not? Some are blatant no's and some are great. So you can look a bit further and then you can say, okay, let me invest in a professional or in an expert to put this through for me. Because when you start dabbling in things like that and you're trying to work it out yourself, you could end up doing it yourself. But again, do you want to put yourself through all that palaver? So yeah. it's a lot of work to do all that research and stuff like that too. Like, I mean, but yeah. it's, it's business. And I think people kind of think that it's just gonna, it's, they don't want to pay the taxes or they don't want to have to pay a lot of taxes. So they just look at it as like, where can I get these tax breaks the most versus actually like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I definitely think about the tax break thing because Right now, there was something written in code, like if you bought a golf cart, you'd get like a $5,000 tax credit just for buying the golf cart. But you can buy a golf cart for $3,500 and just get the tax credit for the $5,000 for the golf cart, just because that's what the production is. That's one of the examples here in, uh, that was on the Missouri side that a friend was telling me about. Um, but it's like, like you, you kind of got to be talking to your tax people, you know? Absolutely. If you've got a tax person, please do. Um, you want to start with your accountant as well, as, as well, because they will tell you the things that you can write off. Um, they're a definite good place to start because there's a lot that you can write off that a lot of business owners are not aware of. And also there's a certain way that you can structure it so that you are able to write it off. And this is not me going into, you know, you becoming the next mafiosa. <laughs> not, yeah. not at all. But there are certain ways that you can structure it. Like um, you can write off some of your mortgage if you're using a part of your house as your office. Mm -hmm. Some people want to go through all that and make sure that they can write some of it off as an office and other people, it's just too much hassle and they don't want to do it. But again, you are aware and you are making an intentional decision not to deal with it. So yeah, tax person, your business association as well, your accountant, definitely you should be talking to your accountant more. Please talk to your accountant more. <laughs> what are some um, common mistakes that you see among your clients? Um, like, a, like a few, three, like common mistakes that you see from them. Abdication, abdication of their responsibilities. Um, it, it might sound a bit harsh, but it's, you are the final person that is responsible. And to kind of make this a bit more visual, I always refer it back to the way the corporate structure is. In the corporate structure, we have our CEO at the top that we have all the C-suites, so marketing, finance, sale, and so forth. Then under them, they have their departments, okay? So you are the CEO, and probably you're wearing all of these hats. But then when you bring your accountant in, which is the third layer down and is a department, your CFO disappears. So it's like, but the CFO then gets the information from the finance departments and then reports to the CEO. And then the CEO uses that information to decide what strategy is going to look like, where I'm going to be putting my investments, what markets am I going to be experimenting in? 
who is doing that for you? What are you using? Are you using only your sales to decide where that is coming from? So having an accountant, having a bookkeeper does not absolve you of those CFO responsibilities, of that information feeding into your final, you know what, I'm going to take over Asia in the next three quarters. You know, so that is the first thing. Having somebody in that deals with your money doesn't abdicate you from the overall responsibility of knowing what, what's going on with your money. Exactly. You don't exactly just give away that job and be like, and trust that they're going to be okay, especially because a lot of people are in business to make money. A lot of people have business for a purpose, but at the end of the day, business is business. And, you know, you do have to keep track of your money and not just, you know, trust blindly that your accountant is going to do the right thing always or, you know, are, and putting all of that pressure and, and then you're going to be sideswiped three months later if they try to tell you things and you just, oh, you got it. You know, a lot of people do that. They're like, yeah. And if you think about it, if there's any issues, the IRS is going after who? The accountant or you? You. So that basically tells you the accountant can do anything, can conquer the world for you. But when it comes to it, you are the one that still answers for it. So just be in sync with your accountant, just know what is going on. I'm totally not advocating you to sit down and start doing your books because I don't do it either, like seriously. <laughs> but know what is going on. Um, so that is one thing, abdication. The second thing is when I, the when I statement, I think I'm gonna ban it from the English language right about now. <laughs> when, when I, and please you could finish a sentence with anything else that you want that is usually and it's no there's no there's no perfect time there's no right time you start doing it now and you do it you do your one percent you do your atomic change yeah if you guys have not read atomic habits by james clear read it because it's beautifully said that change doesn't have to be 150 percent cold turkey overnight do your one percent one percent yesterday plus one percent today plus half a percent tomorrow that's 2.5% already. Mm -hmm. So definitely, please know when I, when I, mm -mm, no, I'm not taking it. <laughs> so yeah. that is so the when I make enough money, then I'll start doing my taxes, right? Mm -hmm. When I, when I make enough to pay an accountant, then I'm going to get one. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. That is, that is the second one. The third one, Oh, I'm, I'm not good. I'm not good with this. Oh, oh, I'm not good with numbers. Oh, I'm not good in. I'm not good in. And we're not asking you to be an, you don't have to be an expert in these things. No, 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 no. There's no such thing as an expert in everything. They usually become dabblers at the end of the day. So you have your expertise, you have your zone of genius, you have your passion, you have that is that, but you still need to have knowledge of the other areas. You need to still be able to um, question certain things that are coming back to you. I'm no hairdresser, but if I ask you that I want my hair dyed purple and it's looking green, I'll be like, I'm no expert, but this is looking a bit green. And then she could totally explain to me, oh, when I bleach it, it's going to go green, then I'm gonna put the next layer and your purple is gonna pop. Then I'll be like, okay, let me sit down now and let you carry on. So that is the level of just know what is going on, know what to expect back. And again, you are paying for this. 
So no question is stupid, no question is silly. So you don't have to walk in there all smart. And the 2008 financial crash happened because a lot of people were sold things that they do not understand. So when things were hitting the fan, they didn't know that, oh, I need to duck. So when it all happened, then everyone was like, whoa, we got sold sub subprimal mortgages. And we're like, what, what, what is subprimal mortgages? <laughs> and then, whoa, nobody told us the risk. It's like, yeah, they, they're there for the commission. You bought, they got commission, fini. The rest is not our problem. So now a whole lot of regulation has come in for consumer rights, consumer protection, and also empowering the consumer to be able to ask certain questions and empowering the vendors and the suppliers to be more transparent. Because before it was up to the individual, up to the company to disclose certain things. Now it's regulation. But at the end of the day, it's still up to you to kind of say, hmm, this doesn't look quite right. It could just be me. Can you explain it? Oh, this doesn't look quite right. I thought one plus one is two, but you've got four here. And he's like, oh, yes, that is four because I raised it to the factor of 10. You'll be like, okay, you raised it to the factor of 10. That explains why it doesn't add up to what. Just being able to ask questions and know what is going on. So you're able to kind of almost, if you're still unsure, get a second opinion. But if you do not know what is going on and you've totally, you know, anything, anything goes. So those, those are my three things that I come across clients a lot when it comes to basically um, building their wealth, building their finances and how they go about, I guess, even other aspects in their life, because a lot of these statements can apply to anything, can apply to, you know, having kids, can apply to you buying your house, can apply to, you know, you starting the business. What are some tips that everyday people need to know when like, or, okay, let me reframe that. What are some of your success stories for your clients? Success stories. Oh, a million and one. So if I just go with the simplest thing, um, hiding your head in the sand doesn't help. And I will tell you how basic, basic it is. Um, when I start working with my clients, we sit down and we'll just go through the numbers. What do you want to keep? What do you think you're not really using? And the first session with one of these clients, we were able to basically find a thousand pounds that was just filtering through different loopholes, subscriptions that she didn't need, um, technology stacks that were overlapping each other, and also um, subscriptions that were still being pulled but she wasn't using them any longer. They had finished. So sometimes we allow fear to be bigger than what it is. So the first thing would be definitely fear is not as big as we imagine it to be. Mm -hmm. So just a simple fact of when that letter comes through the post, open it. What you're imagining is worse than what is actually in the letter. Mm -hmm. So just that simple exercise of actually just looking at them statements. You're like, I don't use this. I don't use this. Where is this from? Where we actually had to call back. I was like, um, I have this on my statement, 999. What is this subscription for? Just to understand like, 
oh, I, I don't use that any longer. How come you guys are still pulling the money? Companies generally will not say, oh, we have finished. Let's stop pulling the money from you. Know. You know, it's your responsibility to stop the direct debit, to stop the standing order or whatever it is. And sometimes you might claim the money back. But we have to appreciate the fact that sometimes, you know, they as well might be, you know, just as busy and not necessarily, you know, stop any direct debits they should have stopped. So there's that. So weirdly enough, it's just two things. The fear of fear and the fear of success. And that is another thing where there's the, okay, if I do this, then there'll be this flood of things and I might not be able to cope. So you stop yourself from doing certain things in your business. And sometimes it might not just be obvious that is the fear of success. So one of my clients, she was, um, she had a whole suite of products and she was delivering literally left, right and center. And the point was that she was getting burnt out. So when we started working together, we looked through it and literally I love this lady to death because she has got some moxie and she is really, really smart. And I, I would say she's even over-certified. And again, that's another thing with women. We like to get certified and almost feel like we need to justify and validate our expertise. Mm -hmm. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> no, I, I totally, I'm that way. I'm like, oh, well, I also want to get this and I also want to get this. And it's just like, let your clients speak for you. I always want to continue to advance and work on my skills. And I know I will continue to get additional certifications and things like that over as time goes, but I don't want to be in education overload instead of actually implementing the things that I'm learning. And that happens a lot of times, you know, you start learning something new and then the next, you know, that finishes and then you, you give yourself a little break and then you start learning something else new. You start a new course, you start a new thing and you, you forget about the stuff and actually implementing. And you will, I personally learn the most from actually doing the work, mm -hmm. actually being in the real world. I'm not a, I'm not your traditional learner, like sitting in a school learning, no, send me to work <laughs> and then I'll figure it out. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And when you're doing things like that, ask yourself three things. What value is it adding? Does it fit within my business model or life model? And why am I doing it? And those three answers will kind of say, oh, my reason is not really the right one. Or it's not adding value. It's just feeding my fear, feeding my insecurity. And how do you get down to those mindset things with the money issues? Because a lot of people, money is, a lot of people got a lot of emotion with money. And it's been a a problem, a struggle with me learning to remove my emotion from money. Mm. That's been a, that's been a tough one for me. Money and emotion. We cannot deny that we're emotional beings and emotions will be attached to money. Um, what we are trying to, or what we should understand is what kind of emotions we're attaching to money. Is it the high vibrational emotions or is it the low vibrational emotions? Because we are emotional beings. Yeah. Except if obviously we've got the frontal lobe of our head damaged in an accident of some sort where we're 
have no emotions, we will. It's just deciphering what emotion you are attaching to money because what goes out will come back in. Karma, that's the way it works. So having emotion, being emotional with money is not wrong whatsoever. That is normal. You are human. Yay! <laughs> you are human. It's just more the vibration of those emotions that are attached to it. So loving money is high vibration. You know, scarcity is a low vibration. Greed is a low vibration. So when you're dealing with money, you can just step back and see what emotion that is and where it's coming from and then flip it on its head. You know, the tax bill has come in. Oh my God, it's $5,000. Oh, where am I going to get it from? Oh, if I pay $5,000 on this, then this, then that. You can tell. I don't have to tell you that that's low vibration. Mm -hmm. Instead, $5,000. Okay, my business has done good because I am being charged $5,000. I am doing well. So let me pay my dues. This means business is doing well. And, vibration. and the whole like putting the money aside in the beginning when you make the money just putting away like for us it's like in the u.s they suggest put away 30 percent of what you make into a savings account for your taxes and and then you know you you make your quarterly payments and at the end of the year when your tax bill comes you should have paid your taxes if not you might have to you know pay more but that way it's not, you know, as hard on you. And I think a lot of people, I mean, myself, like, I didn't even, it's not like when I started, I knew all of this, mm -hmm. you know, but, yeah. and it's like, you'll hear these suggestions, but it's like, that doesn't mean you always do it. It's just like, oh, well, I'll wait until when, which is what you hear a lot. And that's where the cycle begins. Yes, 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 yes. And this is another suggestion. I'm full of books right now. <laughs> profit First, Profit First is one thing I go by. So that's by Mike Mikulowicz. And it's basically, again, mindset, but also automating certain things, okay? You do not want to think every month how much you're putting away. Automate it. So you know that what is left is what is your play money or your spend money. So the principles of Profit First is that your profit comes out, so you decide how much profit you want to make. You decide how much you want to pay yourself. We already know from your example that tax is 30%, okay? So if I want to do a 30K launch, and I've already said I want 5% profit and I want to pay myself 20K, and then 30% of that needs to be taxed, would a 20K launch fulfill those? So you already go by, I know what I want. So based on what I want, this is my target. This is how much profit I'm going to make, guaranteed. This is how much tax I'm going to pay, guaranteed. And this is how much I'm paying myself. And a lot of this is, again, paying yourself first, not when I. Even if it's one pound, pay yourself. Because damn, you are doing a good-ass job. Pay yourself. I love that. So what are some other things that you teach your clients mindset wise when it comes to reframing um, their from a lack mindset to an abundance mindset when it comes to money? When it comes to money. So it really depends on where you're starting from. But generally, where, the way you flip it is, again, um, 
if you think of it like inversion thinking, right? So we always think of what do I need to do to be successful? Flip it the other way around and think, what do I need to do to fail? You write down all the things you need to do to fail. How many of those things am I actually doing? Zero to none. So you're not really failing, are you? Because if you're going and ticking all, yep, 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 I, I, am, I am ticking my fill boxes here. But then it already puts that spin on it already. You are there panicking about all oh, scarcity and so forth. But then look at all the things that, you know, how could I make sure that I run out of money by doing this, by doing this, by doing, are you doing those things? No. If you are doing those things, then you know exactly what to fix. You know, then I am on my way to success. From spending, I don't know, $300 on takeouts, I'm spending $150. I'm on my way to success. And it's not just an overnight, you know, stare yourself in the mirror and tell yourself you're a millionaire. You have to believe these things. And me being a work in progress, me taking it a step at a time is more believable than me trying to force something that's not quite there. And again, that is some of my issues I have with the industry when it comes around affirmations and so forth. We literally go from zero to 10,000. Uh -huh. And it's like, but I need to believe it. I don't want to sit there, stare myself in the mirror and laugh at myself. I'm like, really love? You're on 10K a month and we're talking about a million? Okay, move it to 20K a month. Move it to 30K a month because yeah. I know I can achieve it. Yeah. Your, your affirmations is almost the same as your goals where they say your goals have to be smart, you know, specific, measurable, attainable, mm -hmm. realistic, and time-based. <laughs> So do, so do your affirmations as well. You have to believe that you are able to achieve it. I'm not saying don't have your big hairy ass goal. Please do. But it's a bite size. It's a step towards it. There's some people like Facebook that rocket, but they're unicorns. Again, keyword, unicorns. Fictional beings <laughs> that don't exist. Most of us are horses. We're not unicorns. So let's work with that. For instance, like this, this reminds me of um, someone, Danielle Leslie. She's a, you know, awesome coach. She made, you know, a million dollars. And after a few years, she really worked really hard on her business. She's also getting divorced. So it's like, how much sacrifice do you want to do? How much, how much is your business really, you know, how much money? Do you really need to make to make you happy? You know, <laughs> like, which, cause that's not going to happen. It is not, there's not a single, you know, because it's the, it's the relationships that you have yes. in your life that really add the most value. I mean, at least for me and sign up on affirmations. I'm big, I, I like affirmations, but my biggest ones are ones that are believable. For instance, like I, like to go outside and look at nature to get at a higher vibration because I can look at all of the abundance that nature has to give. And that's how I, how I really reframe. Like I I'm really addicted to going outside all the time and just closing my eyes, listening to the sounds of the abundance of sounds when you actually are listening to them. The birds over here, there's birds over there, there's a car, there's a dog barking and just distinguishing all of those. And then thinking, 
I live in such an abundant world. And I know it might, it might sound weird to the listeners, but that really helps me so much just doing the breath work and actually allowing myself to view the abundance that is already available to me and knowing that abundance is a birthright for me, then it's just, it's on its way. You know, that's how, that's literally how I get out of that low vibrational negative stuff. It's almost a suffocating vibration. If you, Mm. it's just when you, that scarcity is so suffocating that feeling itself. It's just when you feel like you don't have, you just feel empty and that's not a good vibration. (laughs) That's not going to attract what you want to have. No, 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 not, not at all. And I would say that sometimes it is hard. I would say that because of the reality we live in, it's hard to kind of get out of this space, which is why I say, don't let the limitations of your eyes limit your mind. Oh yeah. Sometimes that is what we have to overcome. So it's like a magician. They can do and it's just illusions. And if they can do those illusions and you believe that that rabbit came out of that hat, let alone everything else that might be an illusion. How do we overcome that? And with a magician, we know, yes, there's a trick. I don't know what the trick is, but there's a trick there somewhere. That is life as well. And the trick is your connection with your mind, your connection with your soul, your connection with God, Allah, creator, universe. That is the trick. That is the secret soul. So it's just you being able to reconnect back to that because we came from that connection. Only that this life form has disconnected us. Society has disconnected us. You know, our life experiences have disconnected us. Mm-hmm. So it's that, like that umbilical cord that they cut when you were born. Let's, let's reattach it, basically. Yeah. Reattach it back. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so where can your links are linked in the show notes below? But mm-hmm. um, Facebook, Instagram, where else can they find you? Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, guys. Um, that's where I am. That is where I do my little, you know, pop-ups and so forth. So find me there. And if you have any questions, hey, happy to help. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing and talking with me today. And is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners? I just want to say thanks. Um, thanks for taking the time to listen. And thanks for sharing as well. Because even without knowing, you are going to be sharing this by just listening and you are going to be implementing this even without being aware because the nugget is already there. So I just wanted to say thanks for taking action. Thank you so much. You know, you, you give so much value. I really appreciate you so much. <laughs> thanks for having me, Olivia. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass. 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.